Hello, everyone, and welcome to Apartment Investing for Early Retirement. I am your host, Derek Loda, and today's guest is Nick Amaluxin. He has been investing in multifamily the last couple of years, and he just wrapped up an incredible year. He invests down in Austin, Texas, and the growth that he's had this year has been incredible, and he certainly has a lot to build on for this next year and decade, since we are in a new decade now, uh, from when we are recording this just after the new year. So. Super excited about getting into this. So Nick, welcome, welcome to the show. And uh, yeah, if you can just give a little introduction um, with yourself for, for our listeners, that'd be fantastic. Sure. Well, first off, thanks for having me. This is a great way to start 2020. Uh, a little background on myself. I started off in the single family space, kind of the typical investor story, right? Start off single family, started to acquire more and more, but it was taking forever to grow. And so I knew that I needed to to scale, you know, a little bit quicker. I, I, at first, real estate was just kind of an investment for me. It wasn't really what I was looking to focus on doing full time. But the more projects I got into, the more deals I looked at, the more I started enjoying the process more than it was what I was doing at my W two job. So it started looking like I could actually transition to it, and I saw kind of multifamily as as the best way to do that. Right, when you start buying apartment buildings, you're really buying businesses. Uh, so. About 2018, towards the end of the year, I decided I really wanted to make a switch. I started selling off a few of my assets, uh, single-family assets in Austin, uh, and then started buying multifamily assets. So since then, we bought, I personally bought, uh, with my partner, 202 units uh, in 2019. Awesome. Yeah, a little bit of a change from, from being able to scale up with that how fast it can grow. So that's, that's awesome. And, yeah. you know, with that, you know, while we're, while we're on the topic there with the switching from single family to multifamily, sure. why did you, you know, make that change? Was it, you know, a little bit more of a change in lifestyle that you wanted, you know, you weren't getting where you wanted to be as fast kind of what, what was the big driver for that? Sure. A lot of it had to do with, uh, well, predominantly time, uh, I started looking at, you know, how can I get, if I was going to step and turn this into a business, right? A business needs income. So I really need some cash flow, right? And for single families, what I was doing, I was getting great appreciation, uh, which was fantastic. Allowed me to go into bigger projects, but I wasn't really getting strong cash flow. Uh, so I knew if I wanted to transition into this, I really needed to have, you know, it, it to be able to support itself. Uh, and that's when I started looking away from single family, mainly because I started looking at going out of market initially, out of Austin, and I put together the pieces. And it was like I would have to find, you know, a really good broker or agent in that market. I'd have to find a really good property manager. I'd have to find a really good contractor. All these things I would have to line up, and it seemed like a lot of work to do one single family or two single families a year. Right? If I'm going to go through all that effort, and I only going to do one deal a year, why not put all my effort into finding one? apartment building, right? And at first, my, my my sites were a little bit lower than what we're doing now. I was looking mainly 10 units and up, um, and that kind of evolved over time as I began looking at deals. But that was the main impetus for switching. I like the single family space. Uh, there's a lot of, I think there's actually more risk involved, and there's just not as strong of cash. Yeah, and especially, you know, in, in Austin, of all places, with it being such a competitive market, you know, like you said, yeah, it's great for that appreciation. But, you know, for me, thinking about that is starting out, having, being in one of the most competitive 
you know, multifamily markets in the country, you know, that's incredible to be able to get, you said 202 units this last year. And just, I mean, that's, that's astounding. How, how do you go about that? You know, because I think, you know, for, for a lot of people that are starting out, it's just overwhelming. Like, well, there's so many people out there. How am I going to, how am I going to stand out? How am I going to get a deal? You know, kind of what, how'd you go about that? You know, because you've had incredible success really with just recently switching into it. Yeah. I think a lot of it was, uh, I was, I was dedicated to making this change. So that's, that's a big part, right? Because I knew I was going to put the work in. Um, and then Austin is really the only market I could do at the time. I, and that might be a little bit limiting, but I don't have a ton of capital. I don't have a ton of investor base at the time. So what I could bring to anybody, the value I can bring is either boots on the ground or find a deal. And since I was still working a W-2 job, and especially you know in, in the landscape that we're in now, it's, it's highly competitive, like you said. So I needed to be able to, first of all, be present in my market, you know, to develop a presence with the brokers and all the sellers. Um, and then also, you know, if I, if I find a potential deal or I can send a potential deal, I need to be able to move very quickly. And if I'm looking at deals in Atlanta, uh, as opposed to Austin, you know, I might, I might have more deal flow or maybe it's an easier market, but I can't get out there. You know, it, it might take me two weeks to go out and look at a deal. And at that time, somebody local will probably put their off, you know, they've had multiple offers in and they tied it up. So I guess. On the, on the, I kind of defaulted to Austin. Luckily, it's a great market because uh, I, I just didn't have the time, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And then also, I, I attend a lot of meetups. And one thing I noticed a lot of the meetups in Austin, I would ask, I was trying to find anybody who invested in Austin, right? And just like latch on to them. Like, how can I help you? How can I learn from you? Because uh, I, I wasn't sure where to start. And as I attended more meetups and spoke to more people, a lot of the investors in Austin were always complaining about Austin and uh, buy elsewhere, right? So they kind of like almost stopped looking at Austin. And so for the, the space that we were operating in, the 50 to 100 unit space, uh, we actually got a lot of opportunity. I think it was almost overlooked because people think, oh, Austin, that's too competitive of a market. I'm going to go to Houston or I'm going to go to San Antonio or now they're in Dallas, which is highly competitive. But uh, I guess that was just kind of my reasoning at the time for sticking with Austin. And I think that's kind of why I was successful. I always had my blinders on. Mm-hmm. this is what I have to make happen. Yeah. Where, you know, kind of limiting yourself just to one, you know, cause a lot of times, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to limit yourself, but yet with it being a great market and the ability to show up, you know, be in front of these brokers, be just be in that market where, like you said, it's not something, well, okay, I get this deal to me. You know, we got to set up a time to go see it. And yeah, it, even if it's five days out, a week out you know but you have to set up your flight you got to schedule you know to be able to get out there versus yeah i can go check it out this afternoon you know showing up and yeah so you you know it seems like you kind of found a little niche with that 50 to 100 unit pocket you know what kind of settled on that because you know i is it just while everything is very competitive it seemed a little bit less or, or how did you kind of narrow into that that section of properties Sure. I think we kind of defaulted into it. Uh, you know, we found when I started looking at deals, it was more of a, at the time, what I thought I could take down, right? Like what was the dollar size I could take down? And it kind of fit to that range. And then 
Uh, a lot of the, you know, the rules of thumb here out there is to don't buy below 100 units because you want to have you know, full-time staff. Uh, and, and while that may be true, you know, what we've realized is we can buy a lot of these smaller properties near each other and kind of share management between. Uh, so now we have you know, essentially 200 units uh, in this little triangle as opposed to, you know, uh, which I would have overlooked had I been focused on 100 plus. Um, I do understand that model, but that's just kind of what I was thinking. And then a lot of it was just, you know, for my first deal as as finding deals, talking to brokers, it's it seemed a lot more believable that I could take down a 50 unit versus going to look at a 250, right? Especially for your first deal, you're gonna laugh. Yeah. But I knew I wanted to, to you know, I didn't want to do like a four, you know, a do a quadplex or five units or even, you know, 10. I really wanted to, if I'm gonna dedicate time, like I spoke about earlier, I want to go as big as I can comfortably go. And uh, I found just a ton of opportunity in that space, uh, kind of by accident. Yeah, awesome. So you're still able to achieve the, you know, those economies of scale because of the proximity of those properties without having, again, that over a hundred, you know, so you can have that on site. You're able to kind of balance that out yet. So that's, you know, that's awesome to be, you know, see that opportunity and go, okay, well, we're still able to achieve that same total, you know, for the unit count to get those economies. But there might, you know, for the same reason that you first thought not to look at it or, or considered it necessarily, it's probably the same thing that a lot of people, a lot of other investors are thinking is, you know, well, it's not big enough to get that on-site, you know, staff. And okay, well, we're just going to stick to 100 to 150 and up, and you know, and so forth. Versus, okay, yeah, well, if I get this one, and I get another one in this neighborhood, and I get another one, now we have the same again, 200 units in close proximity. You get yeah. that same same scale. So that's that's great. So yeah, you know, again, looking at Austin and when you're buying these properties you know, with the growth that's going on there, what's kind of your plan with them? Is it, you know, for a whole period, kind of what's what's the play? Because you're in the B and C class. So yes. what is, what's your business plan with it when you acquire property? What are you looking at doing? Sure. So I will say a lot of it is property specific, right? Like our first deal, that's more of a heavier value add, right? There's a lot of meat left on the bone, but it's also not operating, um, you know, as well as we would like it day one. So that one's probably going to be more of a, a shorter term hold. Now we have debt on it that allows us to hold it for seven years, but more than likely in three or four years, we're going to be looking at that, depending on the market, right? Uh, all of this is, of course, depending on the market. But typically what we look for is you know, a, a value-add deal, um, whatever your definition of that is, mine is. You know, we want to look for something that has good bones, um, but maybe has had like a long-term owner where a lot of the updates haven't been done. It's not being run uh, ran efficiently, um, and there's just there's just a clear path for us to take how the property is currently operating to how properties in the market are operating. If that makes sense, I want to I don't want to bank on you know Austin still achieving five percent rent growth. You know I want to know that I buy a property that's at you know ten percent below where the current market is, and I have a clear path to get there because especially in in my opinion, in these low cap environments, right, where these stabilized properties are trading, uh, the best bang for your buck is to find an underperforming property and really increase that in the because it really increases the value of that. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, to touch on that, when you're going in and, you know, there's the, 
the outdated interiors, you know, some exterior maintenance. What was kind of your budget, you know, for this, for the first one, which was a, which is a heavier lift. What's that budget looking like on a per unit basis for those renovations, updates, repairs? Sure. Uh, it really depends on, you know, what we're going to be doing. And well, interior wise, of course, it depends on how we working on cabinets, you know, when the box is good, can we do faces? Uh, what's been done in the area, right? Because we have some that's, uh, property we just closed on that's extremely, uh, not extremely, but more working class. You know, the C class has it, and we have one that's in a more desirable area that uh, is kind of, you know, hurting right now, but it's, it could definitely be a, a B plus property. Um, so the renovations we're going to do on, on those would be different, right? We're not going to put branded mm-hmm. countertops in the C class where we might in the B class. Uh, so it's hard to say, kind of like a rule of thumb, what we do, but I would say anywhere from 55 to 6,500 if we're doing a really like, you know, if it's a completely unupgraded unit and we have to put in you know, flooring appliances, um, cabinet doors, yada, 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 versus like a $2,500 turn in the C class where we're maybe putting in sheet vinyl and new paint and just kind of sprucing everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's really a, a matter of, you know, as I say, knowing your market, knowing who your, your tenants are, and again, looking at that, that ROI on it. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and shopping your neighborhood, right? When you're looking at properties, um, you should, you know, you look at rent comps, you should actually go and check out those rent comps, um, in my opinion. Uh, you're really fine, you know, what you, if you're looking at properties where the rent is higher than yours and you think that you can be comparable, see why they're getting that rent, right? You don't have, you might not have to do tons of upgrades on the interior. Maybe it's just a few simple things that they're doing, or maybe your property is just under rent, you know, and they just weren't as aggressive with renting as they should have been. And, you know, obviously that's, that's almost uh, icing on the cake, but um, just really know, like you you were saying, know your market, know your area, where you're buying and, and where your dollars should be going. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, if, if you look at it in a way of, okay, it's a hundred dollars below market rents, we can go in, do that value add, and we're going to go in and do, do paint flooring. We're going to reface the cabinets, put on some new countertops and all this. But you can organically, you know, just go up and increase your rents, say forty, fifty dollars, and you need to spend four thousand a unit or five thousand a unit to get up to that hundred, you know. And it's just this weird cycle that you're in, where you're in a pocket where, okay, is that fifty dollars a month? Is really your your difference is fifty, sixty dollars, not necessarily a hundred. So again, yeah. going through, see what that competition is, so that I'm not overspending to get the same amount of rent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, see what you can organically achieve before you start worrying about how much you can you know, push up through your renovations. Mm-hmm. So for you, when you're when you're going through and checking that out, are, are you physically going on site, you're setting it up as if you're a prospective tenant? Yeah, usually. You know, um, a lot of the research you can do on the front end, right, everything is online. Obviously, they put the best photos on, but when you start getting closer uh, to finding a deal or you feel really strong about it, I do recommend just shopping right here, go out as a renter and see what they have. Speak with the with the management. Yeah. Yeah, just go go get a feel for that market and or that sub market, you know, within and so you're not you're not overspending, under underspending, you know, you're getting right in that pocket so you can mac- maximize the uh, the value out there. So yeah. that's good. And you know, I think a lot of people don't again, if you're if you're going far out of the area and if you have a partner, you know, 
to make sure that someone can be that boots on the ground. So you can spend an afternoon shopping all of your, your competition, you know, again, showing up, being able to be there to be as, as efficient as possible in your operations. You know, you know, all of your comps, you're not just looking online, you're getting there in person because pictures online can lie one way or the other, you know, yeah, it can make a, it can make a bad property look great and they can make a great property look bad, you know? So, so yeah, just getting there. Awesome. So, um, again, kind of looking at that, you know, cause with you switching up your investments, you know, moving forward, you know, what was, I guess, what was the structure on the deals that you've done versus what are you kind of looking to do in this next, next year or in, in the future moving forward? Sure. Um, so pretty much everything I've done in the multifamily apartment space has been through uh, joint ventures, right? Uh, through a partnership as opposed to, to syndication. Um, unfortunately, you know, we were able to, to grow pretty rapidly this year, but you come to a point where you, uh, you know, you can't continue to buy, right? You know, with the same with partners. So what we're really focusing on now is finding Oh, still finding great deals, but maybe bringing more investors into it and possibly different syndication. Okay. Um, I, I do like the JV structure. You know, syndication is great. I think it helps a lot of people. And as you know, as a massive investor, right? That's if you have a good sponsor, that's that's fantastic. You get all the benefits without doing most of the work. But um, I do find the JV model would be slightly more flexible. Uh, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's you're not dealing with as many, as many investors, as many partners on a deal. It's just usually tends to be a smaller group. You, yeah. it's pretty easy to have that communication and that, that same mindset there, which mm-hmm. of course you want, you want all of your, you know, looking at syndication. If you're, if you're bringing in 30 investors, you want everyone to, to have that same mindset to really believe it. You know, obviously they're not oh, going to invest if they don't believe in it, but you know, it's just a matter of numbers. If you can have five people versus 50, you know, it te- just tends to be a little bit more simple. So, exactly. um, but yeah, you know, what, what would you say for, for people that are kind of thinking about um, getting into, into apartment investing that don't, they want to be more hands off, you know, but they're not, they're kind of leery. Am I going to, you know, why should I choose this as a hands off, you know, passive investing model versus um, other investment vehicles? You know, what would you say is really the big best benefits and something that people should kind of just keep an eye out for. Yeah. Uh, I mean, housing makes sense, right? I guess that's my, my biggest point is it makes sense that people need a place to live. And there's no denying that we're kind of moving towards a renter nation, just statistically. So uh, if I was, and I, and I do look at deals to invest passively all the time. So uh, I would say, you know, the, the few things that I look at, uh, you know, the market, right? What market I'm investing in and why, right? And just trusting that this is a good deal. Why is it a good deal, right? What's the, what's the overall surround? What's happening in the area? Uh, and then, you know, the deal, the deal itself, but mainly the sponsorship team, right? I think if you're going to be a passive in a deal, there's tons of benefits, right? The tax benefits, the cash flow, the depreciation, the appreciation, the ability to, force the value on a project or whatever the model is for the, the property you're investing in. There's, there's tons of benefits to it um, that you can't really find in other investments. Uh, I'm not going to say in any other investment, but you know, you lose a lot of 
control if you own like the stock. I, I know this because I, I initially started investing in the stock market thinking I knew what I was doing and got cleaned out. Uh, so it, it's, I don't want to say safer because every investment has risks, but it, it makes more sense. You know, it's, it's a hard asset. Um, but I think as a passive, you know, the, the main thing I would do, and this might be a rambling answer to your question, but, um, verify the sponsorship team, you know, just, just get to know them really well. Yeah. And I think, you know, something else to note is, is kind of looking at that for, for a passive investment is it's not, it's not like putting it into the stock market where you can take it out yeah. uh, quickly. It's, it's, it's a, not really a liquid investment and, sure. you know, kind of looking at that time frame, you know, just something that I think people should keep, keep in mind is, you know, every sponsorship, you know, every property, like you mentioned earlier, has a different business plan. It is, you, know, you are buying a business and each one is going to have a different plan. Like for, um, for the first one that you got a heavier lift, a shorter term hold, that you might be in, you know, say looking at a, a three-year hold is that target versus another one might be a five-year and there might be one that's a longer term play that you might have as, you know, somewhere around that seven to 10 year range. Sure. But if you get the opportunity to sell earlier and you're able to achieve, you know, the numbers that you're looking your target numbers, okay, that might change it. But having that same alignment for what your, your, your goals are with the time frame of the investment and the returns, yeah. And, you know, knowing that if, if, you know, you're investing say 50, a hundred thousand dollars into something that I can't rely on being able to just pull that back out if, if sure. something happens in life that would, would require that. So I think that's just, uh, you know, a note for, for people to think about, uh, too, because, yeah. you know, that's, it's, it's a little bit different in that regard, but yeah, a lot of benefits, but just things to consider. Definitely. Uh, and one thing I think is kind of funny, and maybe this is just the people I speak to, but uh, you know, coming from a background where I used to invest, uh, you know, in single stocks, uh, a lot of people would would tout, you know, like, oh, it's 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 liquid, right? Like I can pull my money back out. But then, then they'll also, on the other hand, say that they're, you know, you don't want to pull your money out when something happens, right? You want to buy and hold for long term. So it's almost like that liquidity, in, in my opinion, uh, can be can be bad, right? Because you can you can act emotionally. Um, and, and kind of mess yourself up, right? Um, anyways, that's just kind of my two cents on that. It is less liquid, but most people who, who invest usually say that they're they buy for long term or they weather downturns. Um, and really, the if you're looking at it from that perspective, right? If you're going to buy the stock of ABC Corporation and you think that it's got great long term, you know, five year prospects, and something happens in year two and the price tanks, are you going to pull your money out? If, if you're following your plan, no, right? And it's kind of the same thing with, with real estate. You put the money in. Uh, if the market crashes in two years, you know, we're not selling in two years. So it doesn't really matter uh, what happens in between, right? Price matters on the day you buy and the day you sell, kind of like the stock market. Um, but, you know, unlike that, we don't have the ability to panic and pull all of our money out. Yeah, it, it's, it kind of protects you from yourself. In that yep. way versus, oh, well, it's down now. Well, that's why when you're buying something, you're kind of looking at where you're at in that market cycle and lining up, up the financing, you know, to kind of meet with that. So you're not, you know, you're not coming due in a downturn, which I mean, 
it can happen at any time, but you look at, you kind of just look at different metrics in the market and, and align that up where, yeah, you might be a little bit scared on the surface, but just everything goes in cycles. And yeah, by having it in, in, uh, you know, real estate, it kind of holds you from right now, you know, just cutting your losses because you don't yeah. want to lose more when, yeah, it's year two. And in year five, that property, you know, you could cost yourself so much if, you know, if it were the stock that you took it out and it rebounds and then what are you going to do? Yeah. Then you're going to be kicking yourself every dime. And that, yeah. you know, it's just yeah. a, a vicious cycle where, yeah, it's like, just put it in. It's going to work out, you know, you, as yeah. long as you just don't panic. But yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, you know, you mentioned earlier that, that you and, uh, and your partner, you know, that you, why did you look to kind of partner up and how did that, kind of accelerate some of that growth or kind of oh, okay. how did that come come to be you know because I know you you mentioned that you know someone's starting out new some people are in a position to just do everything themselves but why did you look the to go a partnership route uh, that's a great question a lot of it is uh, and I used to be very anti-partner right I was like oh I can do this myself I got this um, and then as I get into the multifamily space you know we talked about it I don't have you know, I had a good amount of capital for me, but I'm not buying 20, 50, 100 unit complexes by myself. So I knew right off the bat, I'm going to have to bring somebody in, right? Uh, or, or partner up with somebody who's doing that and help them out in some way. Um, and that's kind of why I got that partner. And I just, I knew where I wanted to be and I knew that I, I couldn't get there by myself. And, and since I've kind of embraced that, and it, it's just been phenomenal, right? You, you got to pick good partners, right? Because you go to a project, uh, like I talked about, five, seven, ten years, basically married for those five, seven, ten years. So I wouldn't necessarily say go out and partner with everybody right away, but uh, it is good, in my opinion, if you want to grow to start, you know, looking at people who have similar goals and, and uh, you know, plans as you. Okay. Yeah. So how, you know, how did you come across your partner and determine that, hey, yeah, we should partner up on these, you know, partner up on some deals and see where that goes. How'd that come about? Yeah, a lot of it was, uh, well, so I met him on, uh, through bigger pockets. So when I made the decision to you know, start a multifamily and came to all this conclusion, like, oh, I need to start talking to people and reaching out and learning more. Um, I started reaching out to people on bigger pockets with syndicator next to their name and just asking, you know, introducing myself, asking if I could help in any way, if we can hop on a call and I can, you know, see if there's some way that I can offer value because that's really all I can do. You know, all, the, the best thing I can do is give my time to support. Um, and so I met a lot of great people that way. One of them was my partner. Um, and we kind of ended the call on, uh, you know, because he's in L.A. He invests in L.A. Uh, primarily, but he's looking at Austin. Uh, and I didn't know that prior to our call. We kind of ended it with, hey, if I find something like this, you know, like what we've been talking about, would you be interested in me staying either way? He's like, yeah, sure. And, and then kind of organically, organically from there, as I started looking at more and more deals and I started finding ones that kind of fit that, I reached out to them, we talk about it, um, you know, and then it got to the point where we were putting in offers together and then we got our first offer accepted and then we got our second offer accepted and then we got our third offer accepted. So it was really uh, kind of a growth up to that, right? It wasn't like we talked on bigger pockets the next day we're like, yes, let's partner up. It was more like, okay, here's what I'm looking at. What do you think? And then as we talked about deals, we realized, okay, this, this makes sense, right? We can 
uh, to work together on these. Yeah. Yeah. You just find a way that each is going to add value to each other, you know, add that massive value. So again, uh, I imagine, um, you know, investing out by LA is, uh, can be, can be a challenge finding stuff that makes, makes those numbers work and to have Austin, which is, you know, ever growing. Well, again, for the same reason that you mentioned of, of not investing, um, in, in, in a market outside of your area is so that you can be there. And if they get, you know, you got a deal sent his way. Okay. Well, you know, it might be a week or two, the same reason. It's just, you were able to find, find a way to add that value. You're there every day. You're finding these deals. You're talking to these brokers and look at what's happened yeah. versus now, you know, looking at that, do you think you would have reached that same point uh, to where you're at now as, as quickly as you did without having the right partner? Oh, no, no, no. no. Um, you know, I, I would have definitely kept trying. Uh, I was very blessed with the partnerships I've been able to make. But yeah, without a, without a good partner, I wouldn't have been able to, to scale as quickly as I have. Yeah, so it's just have, having, having the power of the partnership. And, you know, and that's not necessarily for everyone. But in this case, you know, starting out just where you're at and, you know, with him having, having some experience already, did that also help you, you know, when you were first meeting up with brokers and, were you able to leverage um, his experience or did you kind of just go on your own at first and then kind of start building that aspect in? Um, uh, well, I'm, I was going on my own at first, right. To start finding these deals. Um, but once we started reaching out to new brokers, or at least when we got to the point where we're putting the offers in together, uh, leveraging his experience is huge, right? Because they want to make sure you're not just a tire kicker as you show that even though it's, it's experience in a market that wasn't Austin, um, you know, it's so valuable experience. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, it's been, been great kind of to see some of those nuggets about, you know, knowing those, those neighborhoods, your competition, how finding the right partner can expedite the process, but making sure it's going to work for both parties. Like you said, it's a marriage. It, it, you might partner on one deal, but it's a marriage during the lifetime of that deal. You got to make sure ahead instead of just jumping yeah. into something. But uh, but yeah, it's been an awesome call. So before we wrap up, I just want to go through a few quick hitting questions um, and, and then we'll wrap this thing up. So um, obviously with focusing on kind of gained an early retirement, um, you know, through, through apartment investing, what does the word retirement mean to you? What do you consider being retired? Yeah. Uh, I think about this every time I have like, well, I, when you had a W2 and I used to take like two weeks off. Right. And you're like, oh, this is going to be great. And then like a weekend of doing nothing, like I'm going insane. Um, I start thinking like, oh, is this what retirement's going to be like? Right. Like you're just sitting around not doing anything. So, yeah. So retirement for me, um, you know, I, I mentioned when I was working my W2 and I'd have two weeks off, I would be going crazy. Right. By week, by week two, if I was doing nothing throughout the house. And that really got me thinking, like, if I'm going to do uh, what does retirement look like? Because if I'm just going to sit around not doing anything. I'm going to lose my mind. I'm a very active person. Um, so retirement for me is, 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 first of all, being financially secure, uh, you know, both for my continued future and for my children. And then also just being able to have the freedom to pursue what I want to pursue. You know, I'm always going to be working. I'll probably always be doing real estate. I love real estate. Um, but, you know, maybe there's something else that catches my, my eye when I'm, you know, 40 or 50 or 60 and I want to, you know, go down that path. So, 
retirement is just freedom, you know, freedom to pursue what I want. Awesome. Yeah. You know, everyone has a different, different uh, definition of what that is, a different idea of it and a different point that they have to get to, to get there. So that's always, it's always interesting. You know, the more you, you really dig in with some people, it's a lot of, it's not so much money. It's the freedom to do what you, what you want and not have to worry about it necessarily, but awesome. So, uh, you know, what was one thing in terms of a book that you read or, you know, a life event or an event that, you know, a conversation you had, something you went to, what really was, was a moment that kind of kicked you into action that, yeah, I need to make a change to get to retirement earlier. And this is what did it. Um, it's actually funny. I was in school. So my W2, I was, I was a technician for Audi and Volkswagen. So I was in college to be an engineer, dropped out, went to tech school. And when I had tech school, there was two guys in front of me talking about Dave Ramsey. And I had no idea who that was. And obviously, you know, I've evolved my views since then. But I started listening to him. That was my first introduction to just financial education in general. Right? I'm like, I'm 20, uh, 19 or 20 at the time. And you know, all I knew was like, you know, don't spend more than you have in your, your account. Like that was my, that was my financial education. Uh, so that was like a big wake up when I started listening to him and, and hearing his advice on budgeting and, and saving and investing and then kind of spiral, you know, spiraled from there. I started reading more and more. I think the one that really shifted me into, uh, you know, to achieving bigger things was Think and Grow Rich. Uh, you know, I, I I heard like a clip of it on YouTube and I downloaded the book and just felt more. So I guess that was a long answer to a very short question. Yeah. You know, it's always a different path because yeah, it's just one thing gets you thinking about another, which makes you read something else. Listen to this, have this conversation, go to this event. It's just, it's always, there's always something that just finally gets that spark to go. So awesome. Um, You know, with it just being into the new year, what is, What's your biggest goal for this year? Where do you want to, you know, having a conversation in a year from now, what do you want to have achieved? What is like the biggest item? Biggest item. I really want to, I guess, you know, we talked about JV versus syndication. I really want to offer a syndication this year. Personally, I think uh, I, I want to, you know, I love what I do. I've seen the benefits of what I do and I want to share that with, with people. So that's kind of what I'm hoping to do in 2020. Awesome. And then how do you like to give back? Uh, so I've always, you know, um, been somewhat, you know, tied through the church and, and whatnot. Um, but really, I, the most bit of I have now is just helping people um, with my time. So a lot of times I like to, you know, have just give my time, I guess is the best way of saying it. Whatever people need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just find the need and you have the time. That's your, that's your big goal there. So awesome. Yeah. Um, so, and I think, you know, too, with that, you're, you're wanting to give back, you know, I, I think it ties in really well. That big goal for, for this year is to do a syndication so you can give back the opportunity of real estate to investors. I thought that just really, ties in again, it's, it's opening up that door to others to be able to take advantage of, of the opportunity in this industry. So yeah, awesome. Um, so lastly, how can, uh, how can our listeners uh, find out more about you and get in contact with you? For sure. So uh, 
my email is usually the best way to get in contact with me. It's just Nick, N-I-C-K, at quantumcapitalinc.com. That's Q-U-A-N-C-U-M, capitalinc.com. Uh, or our website, uh, if you want to learn about, a little bit about me and my partner, our portfolio, what we, what we do, it's quantumcapitalinc.com. That's kind of the best way to get hold of me. Right. Awesome. So yeah, well, that'll do it. Awesome. Awesome episode. A lot of great nuggets of information in here. So thank you for your time. First and foremost, you know, a lot of, again, giving your time uh, to help our, our listeners learn a little bit more. Um, and to our listeners, if you enjoyed today's show, uh, please, please subscribe and, and leave a, leave a review for us. You know, Love to love to hear feedback and how we can continue to grow to add value to you. And uh, yeah, please share and and take us on uh, on social media and and just get the word out so that we can help as many people as possible get educated in apartment investing and hopefully get a jump start to uh, gain involved and and expediting their retirement. So thank you again. Have a wonderful rest of your week and a wonderful new year. Take care. Thanks for having me. Yep. Bye.